Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the hardcover adventure Scarlet Citadel by Kobold Press. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive tips, tricks, video previews, city source books adventures, dedicated Discord channels, monthly Q&As, and all kinds of other stuff. But most of all, the patrons of Sly Flourish help me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. It has been a couple of weeks. Last week, my game was canceled. Holidays and everything are up, and I expect that we're probably going to have more canceled games as, as people people kind of run around. So we are... Uh, we did not have a game last week, but we did have a game the week before. Last week, I gave a little bit of a preview and a prep and a talk about Chapter 2 of Empire of the Ghouls, which is the game I'm running on Wednesday. But we are back to Scarlet Citadel. We have a group of players, a bunch of, pe- bunch of people coming today. I think only one person is out, but I think everybody else is in, as far as I can tell. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive back into the dungeons, level two of Scarlet Citadel. So let's start off by taking a look at what happened last session. That was the 20th, so I always have to kind of remember the things that that happened. So we're going to look at the notes from, from, from back then. So they started off with the fight against the, the Jelly Cube Hybrid. This is in this center let's see i have my owlbear map we're going to use my owlbear rodeo map so this is the map of level two they came down the stairs here they spent like i don't know an hour and a half figuring out how to jump over one square as one does in a big dungeon crawl it was fine some people talk about like oh is it too much time it's like i don't know <laughs> i'll let them talk about their, their how, to, how to get over a square a lot of talk about how to get over a square which is fine it's funny and then they made their way into this room and they were they fought a ochre jelly is it an ochre jelly gelatinous cube hybrid? I think it was an ochre jelly gelatinous cube hybrid that actually takes up that entire green area. So that whole green thing. The, the previous strong start was the vat exploded and the jelly cube hybrid attacked. So they had to deal with that. The trick with the jelly cube is that the jelly cube, let's go down to the, let's go down to the stat block for the jelly. The stat block for the jelly cube is really strong in some areas and then really weak in others. And the main issue is that it only moves five feet. So it doesn't move around a whole lot, but its area is gargantuan. It is as big as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's like 10 squares by eight squares big. It is huge because it's all on the floor and undulating, which is kind of a weird way to have a monster that's as big as the floor instead of having a monster that can actually move around but have the floor be some kind of terrain effect. That was a little strange. And I just cheated I, I i had it reach when it wanted to reach and i had it do things so it still threatened the characters it still beat them up quite a bit but i i know other dms i've talked to who said that they tried to run it as is and they had a lot of trouble because it's like if you stay two squares away you're fine right like nothing will happen to you but if you're on top of it you're going to get your ass kicked so that was that was an issue it does have this ooze eruption but it's only every creature in the hybrid space or within 15 feet so it can cover like that whole area so i did some stuff like this and they fought it and they beat it and that worked out fine. Nobody, I don't think anybody got really like killed or enveloped or anything horrible. But the way they started last time was in a pretty good position to be able to fight this thing. Because again, as long as you're like two squares away, you're better off than, than if you're not. But it's kind of a complicated monster. So they went to, they fought that. Then they traveled down, let's get my hand, hand icon there. They traveled down this corridor to the south and explored these two little side passages. And one of the side passages has a, like a blood ooze, this really terrible blood ooze thing. Yeah, a separating ooze from the creature codex. 
and it is this like nasty blood pus horror and they they fought that and that was kind of scary and they they what did they do they ended up they used one of their potions of ooze control and controlled the ooze i can't remember yeah i think they controlled this ooze and they managed to to get it back into the barrel and then sealed the barrel up and then they had a gelatinous cube. And I think they, because when you drink the potion of ooze control, it lasts for like an hour and it's any oozes. So then they went into the small side passage here, this small, this small room here, which I think I blew because I think it's a secret room. But because the map is this switching map, it ended up showing the room to them. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. So they then saw that there was a gelatinous cube in there. They realized that they had, they coaxed it out using the oob, the, 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 or ooze control, their, their potion of ooze control. Had it go away, then went in and got cool potions and stuff from that room. And then instead of having the gelatinous cube go in there, they had it fight the other ooze. They had the two oozes, the separating ooze and the gelatinous cube were supposed to fight. But instead of fighting, they just combined together into a separating gelatinous cube. So now you had this like blood-filled separating gelatinous cube. And then they told that one, you go north, go go in that other chamber. And so they went into this room, they sent the cube in there and then closed the door. So being a good dungeon master, an average, you know, somewhere in the middle dungeon master, I looked at that situation and said, well, of course what's going to happen is now we have an ochre jelly gelatinous cube gargantuan separating ooze, right? Because they just do two more oozes in there. And I think it's like a big sponge and it sucks up all of the rest of it. So now they have this huge... So I think the next time they go into that chamber, they are definitely going to see this like state puff marshmallow man gelatinous cube separating ooze yellow ochre jelly thing that's just thrashing around and it's so it's, it just takes up so much of the the, the room and and like the, the right answer is just close that door and never go in there again like we've ruined we've we've officially ruined that chamber which i think is works because i don't think they really there's there's other alternative paths to get everywhere else in here so they never need to go to that room again but i think the idea that there's now this horrifying you know, horrifying ooze that they created by constantly throwing other oozes. And every time they think, oh, it's we're going to have one ooze fight another and they just go and they just become this bigger ooze. I think that's I think that's way more fun. So I think we'll make that just for just to, to capture our, our enjoyment here. We're going to generate a new session planning template. Again, I am using as always, I'm using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you want to learn more about how I'm doing my campaign planning, the tool that I use, the template that I use, you can find all about it in the show notes below. Our session notes template is, today is for December, Sunday, Scarlet, Citadel. We're going to go right into secrets and clues and the G cube sup, sup ooze and remains of the ochre hybrid have formed into a huge and terrible Ooze. I think one option for us. So I have I have some thoughts of a strong start, but let's finish. Let's finish looking at last at the last sessions game. So they went down there. They oh, in the middle of their fight against the separating ooze, they the the dust goblins attacked. So there's a bunch of dust goblins that were hidden in this chamber down here. You can see where the characters ended. Whoops! Don't move garble out. So there's so they 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 fought some dust goblins too. The dust goblins are like super easy, like challenge rating one quarter. So it wasn't a big deal. This was really nice. One thing one thing I noticed about this session is this session, 
like they didn't just get punched in the face. It was very nice for them to have a session where they faced creatures that took a little thought to, to figure out, but weren't overwhelmingly difficult. And I'll tell you, the first three encounters, maybe four encounters that they've had in this place were all these like super deadly fights. It was like they fought the owlbear on the way in. They fought the jailer right away and then they went into the chamber against the undead they did all the and it's like oh bang 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 and then finally they like survived all of that and i'm much more interested i know like i'm you know i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a friendly you know loosey-goosey hand holy dm i want i want to enjoy the story of them going through the dungeon not the hard realities of having to deal with every deadly encounter right i don't i don't want to drop deadly encounters on them all the time and so them it was nice for them to have like a dungeon exploration where there were threats that they had to deal with there were dangers that they certainly had to face but they had like opportunities to to do things like charming oozes and stuff like that and they're going to have a hard fight coming up they're going to you know but that oscillating of easy fights and hard fights they weren't doing that it was hard fight hard fight hard fight hard fight it was like i think it was four in a row at least three in a row I think it was three really hard fights in a row, like one session right after the other. And players didn't mind that much. Like nobody came to me. I was like, man, this is such a drag. But I felt like it was a drag. I wasn't happy with it. So I'm, I'm happier now to give them opportunities where they can actually do fun things like fight dust goblins, right? Dust goblins are not particularly hard. They killed the first blade. I think even that one was challenging a little bit. The first blade was hard. He hit hard. And I think I had the dust goblins. I gave them extra attack. So even though their hit points are really low, they got to attack twice. And that and that was was that made them a little bit more dangerous. That again, that, that dial of number of monster attacks, that's a good dial if you really want to scale up the damage on, on people. Give them extra attacks. So they they defeated the first blade and they convinced, I think, one or two of the dust goblins that they were not going to kill them. And then the dust goblins and and the character Skyke, Skyke is the name of the dust goblin that, that remains. And he said, I've got a secret place. Nobody knows about it. We can go in there. You can actually rest. And so they went in there and now they, they have this opportunity for long rest. And I think the start of the session today is going to be Skyke's, Skyke's tale. So we're going to go to, is there anything else from the notes that we had? Kadathi is a powerful wizard, but obsessed with acquiring. I don't, so these are secrets from last session. And we're going to take a look at which secrets got, got used and which didn't and which might I want to just copy and paste into the next session. It's in the next notes. Kagosi is a powerful wizard, but completely obsessed with acquiring knowledge of the elves. They, they did not learn this. Resident alchemist is experimenting the alchemist versus Dineska Maskalov. She was chased away from her home by Korsberg. So this is all stuff that I took directly from Scarlet Citadel from the adventure. The, the furnace in Area 206 is drawing tremendous arcane power. I didn't learn any of this stuff. The, the more the furnace is used, the worse the draw gets. The multiple nodes trying to tie the ley lines lines of power together each must be disabled to release the tension on the ley lines the dust goblins came from the wasted west returning running away from the old ones who wandered the wasted west they found an old monument a star touch necrotic ship of kespatan the dragon lord of stone and that transferred them to they took the ship they got aboard the ship they found themselves on a ghostly ship in the underground river that ended up in an old dwarven chamber filled with trollkin and some nasty owlbears. They made their way up here, sneaking around and looking for an escape. Gob- goblins think they're underneath the Wasted West, but they're actually very far away, having been drawn into the uh, drawn by the river underneath the citadel. Man, all these are still good. Perhaps no region inspires more tales of terror in the face than the, ru- than the, the Western Reaches. Yeah, this is all good lore about the Western Reaches. For centuries, tyrannical Arcanists dueled over the ley lines of Midgard's western lands, tremendously powerful mages. So the idea is, so here's an interesting idea. So these are all great. Worst of the surviving relics of the colossal unimaginable alien creatures, Dreadwalkers. So they're not the old ones, they're the Dreadwalkers. Where did I say old ones in one of these? Yeah. 
All of these secrets are good, and they didn't learn <laughs> any of these in last session's game. So we're gonna we're gonna just take all of them. We're gonna go in here and look at it. We're like done with our prep. I got all my secrets and clues. The one thing I want to add is that the Wasted West is what could become of the Crossroads region if the twisting of the ley lines doesn't stop the chaos of an entombed weird weaver could tear the region lots of secrets so i got piles of secrets today i really don't need a whole lot of secrets because this is all stuff that they are that that, that they're learning there's i guess one question is a lot of this is background lore but is there is there stuff that directly relates to what they're doing here on level two what's going on in level three i think we can take some of it that that the level below let's 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 look at at, at level three that they can learn a little bit of intel about level three so they know that like the river a great and terrible river runs underneath the ruins of the scarlet citadel this is actually a branch of the river sticks right got that let's see what else do we learn about level three level three used to be the dwarven barracks level three used to be the dwarven barracks of the dwarves who built the scarlet citadel but is now overrun with trollkin and wild dire owlbears is that right so this is the level where the characters can either work with different groups they can do a sort of yeah Trollkin and dire owlbears bred by the dwarves long ago i can't remember if this is the so th I, I don't know if this is the one i think it, i think it's the other level with the with the dare where they have different you can you can kind of work the different groups against each other not explorers move quietly in room slaughtering everything they meet then moving unnoticed the inhabitants don't sit around waiting around so it's really just fighting the trollkin but the the issue here is that they have to like sneak through and sneak around and they could get captured what else is there about this that i need to know some the funny thing is like i've read this i read this whole chapter but it's like oh i don't remember what's going on there's also some undead areas but i think like level three the trollkin are a powerful force who patrol often in the level it's a dangerous place to be level four i think is mostly natural level three is pretty big too i think it's three maps so level four, huge natural cavern with mind-twisted Darrow and huge bats can carry away an entire kobold. And the characters have seen that because they went down the, the oubliette and saw what was going down there. And then I think five is the river, right? And then below that is the Black River. So this is all information that the kobolds know because they made their way from the Black River up. They managed to survive. They probably had a couple dozen and then lo kept losing them more and more as they went up. So I think, I think it's a good, I think it's a good approach. But let's take a look what's going on inside Twitch. How's, how's everybody doing today? Do as I say, not as I do reusing secrets. I know I've been reusing secrets a lot of time. That's fine. I, you know, I, I take it back. That whole idea of like, never reuse your secrets. Always write them again. Screw that. I take, I, I, I change my mind. If you have secrets from last session that you think is still valuable, why wouldn't you use them? Can you give an example of how you introduce a secret? Yeah, a kobold tells you stuff. That's an easy one. But there are, I think I've got an article about this. I can't believe my homepage is in Slight Flourish. Revealing secrets 
here is an article I wrote about how to reveal secrets. And it gives, look at all these 20 ways to reveal secrets. The other thing to consider on the rewriting secrets is good is like I'm on a show right now and it can be kind of boring to do them over. I also have a limited amount of time because I'm talking and we're chatting and stuff like that. And I know I've only got an hour. So in that case, like it is, you know, time, time the, the time is a little tighter for me here than it is normally. And I might rethink those secrets. And you just saw, I just came up with a bunch. But yeah, there's still, you know, yeah, you're not reusing secrets is more of a guideline than a rule. Absolutely. Do what works. I, do what works is number one rule. If it works for you, it works. So that those are some good, those are some good solid secrets. So my strong start for the show is for, for the game, for the show. That's a kind of a Freudian slip. Is this really just a show? Skyke, the dust goblin, shares his tale of escaping the western wastes and making their way to through the lower reaches of Scarlet Citadel. I think something else that happens is they're going to hear like small muffled explosions from the north. And that is going to be the other vats exploding. Like there's these other big vats in this room with oozy stuff. Those are now going to break open and burst and feed our separating gelatinous cube ooze that's getting bigger and worse. So they're going to they're going to know that that's happening. They're going to know that that's getting worse. Scene-wise, we have resting at the Dust Goblin hideout. This story. Then Skrink returns and then face off against Skalov, the master of oozes. I think Skix needs a card. Let's go to our NPCs and we're going to make a new card. Skix the surviving Dust Goblin. We will use some art from the book for Skix, I think. The dust Goblin's in here. I don't see a Dust Goblin in here. Is there a picture of Dust Goblin in here? There's Dennis. I don't see it. Which book has the Dust Goblin? Is that Tome of Beasts? Dust Goblins. There we go. With his five whole hit points. See, he's got a spear and a sword. I don't think giving him multiple attacks is out of, out of, out of hand. So that's Skix. Just, we, we just have a card for him. So let's review. We're just skipping our steps. We're, we're moving all around in our steps today. But let's go back and take a look at the characters. And I think... I can't remember who can't make it. I think Garble is there. Mez is there. Malarkey is there. Skrink is there. I, can't, I think Bart might be out today. We'll see. So, But we'll see. We'll see who makes it. I can't remember exactly who's in and who's out. Bart is our gear-forged bard. He is a gear-forged that grew up in the early days of Zobek. Kind of a diplomat. Nice fellow. Always kind of wants to talk to people. Very interested in charming. Jay, the player, loves charming things. I have to make sure he has opportunities to, to charm stuff. We have Dorne Greycastle. Dorne is a shade. A shade who has taken over the body of another of another dead person. And came from a whole other realm, came, came from a strange realm of vast cities and frozen wastelands and everything like that, i.e. Forgotten Realms, and found himself here inhabiting the body of a body that Mez, Rumseleth, was trying to lay to rest. So there's this, there are two themes to the characters, death and chaos. Death in the sense that many of the characters died and came back or have some kind of connection to death. Bart, the gear forged is of course, being gear forged is the soul of a, of a human in a, in a, in a, mechan in a, a kind of mechanical body. Dorne is a shade. Garble is a mushroom folk who feeds off the dead. Mez is a parf parfumier, parfumier who wants to lay people to rest. Malarkey Jones is more of a minion of 
Chaos, who follows the will of the Weird Weaver. Skrink Skibbers is a rat folk wizard occultist who died and was resurrected by the Weird Weaver to rescue the Weird Weaver from being trapped in the bottom of Scarlet Citadel. So those are all the kind of Malarkey Jones, Tiefling, Warlock, Cleric, Noble. They need, they definitely need the healing for the Cleric, so that'll help. So, and Garble is looking for, Garble the Mushroom Folk is looking for a nice place for them to live, for his colony to live, and thinks that the, the deeper and the darker that things are in Scarlet Citadel, the better things will be. So those are the characters, and I, I think those themes are pretty strong, the themes of death and chaos, death and, you know, and then I wonder if you could sort of combine them, the randomness of death or, or something like that. One of the thoughts I had is like, how do you capture this idea of the Weird Weaver? Imagine that there is an entity, it's not even a god really, it's, a, it's sort of a a manifestation of randomness in the world, right? This, this manifestation of serendipity and manifestation of just randomness. And that's sort of the weird weaver. And if that got captured, what would happen? And I think that, I think like one obvious way is that like the chaos and randomness can get change. So there might be elements where like advantage and disadvantage get thrown around a lot because the elements of chaos, the, the weave of chaos shifts in and out. Sometimes things get more predictable. Sometimes things get less predictable. And I think we could do that because we're rolling a lot of dice. So I'm trying to figure out like how to kind of capture that idea of, you know, how to capture that idea of randomness in mechan. I mean, randomness is such a core function of the mechanics of the game already, but how do you show that in the world? Like the obvious one is the the physical form of the Weird Weaver is a D20, right? That that there is a there's a monument to the Weird Weaver that was buried underneath buried underneath the Temple of Cores inside in Red Castle, Red Castle, Red Tower in Red Tower, and they went and saw it, and it's a giant D20 that's rolling, right? It's always rolling, it's always shifting. There's like a, a weird thing around it, and there's like this shifting monument around it. So I think that that's pretty cool. In fact, I even I, get, I even have like a physical picture of that that I could show. That'd be kind of fun. So, yeah, so I think like, well, how do you, you know, I think the obvious way of like, how do you steer probabilities as the Weird Weaver is getting dorked with? And I think the answer with that is that you can give advantage to disadvantage. We can go back to that, that very straightforward, simple mechanic. So I think that, I think that that, I think that that works out. So we have our strong start. We got our scenes. So the, the, the fight against Dineska Maskalov, that is worth paying some attention to here because that's going to be kind of a big situation. So that is in area 206. If we go to our map here, that's going to be in here. And the, the deal going on in there is that there is a huge forge. Let's look at 206. Alchemist Furnace. Ma Maskalov is here. She is here. Re be sure to read her entry in the appendix to the player's a point of view illustration. Ah, there's a point of view illustration on page 56. So that's what it looks like. That's the forge. Okay, so we'll grab that. I'll just save that to my desktop there. I have that handy. Four ooze methods. Do I have ooze method tokens? Uh, I have the... Oh, I, I can use my... So one thing I should do is we're going we're gonna to delete this one because that's no longer there. And we're going to drop this guy in here and make it really big. And we're going to put the separating ooze... You know, and in fact, I think we're going to use the separating ooze token for that. I think that that's pretty cool. Oh, but we're going to hide it because I don't want them to see it. So I will reveal it when they, when they, when they look in that chamber. So there's some methods. We can use these little winged guys for the methods. Four ooze methods, one of each type, and probably Dineska Maskalov and her companion Quasit. So we have some methods. We'll just throw the tokens in there. We are going to grab a picture of Dineska. Save that to desktop. I love token stamp. 
If you ever need to make a token... Oh, come on. Whoa, what happened? If you ever need to make a token, it is really easy to make a token in token stamp. And then we add it in. Downloads token. And you got a Danesca. All right. Just drop her in. She's doing some work. What else is in there? Token stamp is great. I will paste a link to token stamp in Twitch. I will also... Oh, it looks like somebody did. Awesome. You can find a link to token stamp in the show notes below. What else is in this room? Unless you choose to place where Maskoloff is examining instruments. So there's no oozes in here, doesn't look like. Maskoloff can avoid melee if she drinks her potion of flying. I think she already did. Uh, I think she's already using a potion of flying. I don't like that they have to burn an entire action to drink a potion for bosses. Bosses get to drink potions for free. Prima Materia, a character with background alchemy, knows that the primordial matter from which everything originates. So I think there's this idea that you could talk to her and not fight her. But I think the reality is that the forge is that the forge is the thing that is one of the things twisting the ley lines together and causing the bonds of the weird weaver built, you know, forging the bonds of the weird weaver and has to be destroyed. She would certainly not let people destroy it. Her, what page is she on? Let's take a look at her. Page 50, no, that, that's the image. Let's look at Maskalov in the glossary. Doneska Maskalov, AC 13, that's terrible. Eight, hit points 49, also terrible. Challenge rating three, that is very low considering the characters are fourth level, I think. She's a potion. Oh, look, she can drink potions as a bonus action already. Besides the concoction described, she carries potion of flying, gaseous form, superior healing. If she faces more than four enemies, she also has a potion of speed. Awesome. Sets off one of each one of sets off one of each concoction. The effect is centered on her space. All four effects are triggered, even if she uses up all of one or more concoctions previously. What are her concoctions? Throws one concoction as a grenade at a target. She has two of each concoction. Boot black pudding. Covers a 15-foot cube with sticky black pudding. Extract lasts one minute. Creature starts its turn in the area. Must make a successful DC 13 deck saving throw. Take nine acid damage and be grappled. Gelatinous cloud. Concoction 15-foot gelatinous vapor. Lasts one minute. Each creature inside the cloud must make a DC 13 save on failure. Takes 10 acid damage. Can't breathe and is restrained. A successful saving throw. Have. That's pretty cool. Gray matter. Throws up vaporous fibers that cling to dissolved metal. Non-magical weapons armor made within five feet of the vial's target space are coated in the stuff. They immediately take a permanent cumulative minus one to attack rolls, damage rolls, and AC. Thereafter, roll any die for each afflicted weapon at the start of the turn. On an odd result, it takes another minus one. The weapon is destroyed when it reaches minus five. So it eats away their stuff. That's cool. Ooze bomb. And she can set them all off on herself. That's off one of each concoction. The effect is centered on her space. All four effects are triggered even if she uses up all or one or more of the concoctions. Man, that's terrible. So she can like blow up, ooze bomb. Each creature within 10 feet of the target space will make a DC 13 save throw. So it adds seven acid immediately, three acid damage at the start of each of their turns until the sticky acid is scraped off by using a concoction. And she can do two, throws one concoction grenade at a target. She has two of each. Can she throw multiples? No, but I think we're going to make her throw a couple because we have more than one character. I'd let her throw one of each of them. I'd let her throw one of each of them for every character above four. And then she can blow it up. She can fly, so she doesn't have to worry about it too much. That'd be interesting. Lots of like tactically kind of nonsense here, but I think that'll be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll... We'll noodle through that. So that's going to be the big fight in this. 
And then they're going to start traveling into, let's go back to our map here. So they fight Dineska. Oh, and there's also the, 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 those other little things. They'll make, they can make their way out of here. They can see the big vats. What's in that room to the north? Let's find out. 207. What's in room 207? Ooze Essence Extractor. So this is where she's making her primordial nastiness that she's storing. And she's studying. Uh, she's studying and she has some potions in there. So that's a nice little reward. Then the characters are going to go to the left-hand side of this place, which is the time-twisting stuff. And I've spent a fair bit of time trying to get my head around how this stuff is going to work. That's like area 209 to 216, 218, it looks like it goes up to. Yeah. And that is where there's all kinds of like strange time twisty stuff. The only issue that I had was looking at like the timeline destination if they get thrown around. And I think the easy way to keep the, to, to kind of keep things not too crazy. Because one of them is like a, a character could get thrown into an alternate timeline and, and end up in a different part of the dungeon. They're still here, but they're just, they're, they, they came to it. But I think far more interesting, I think another way to do that and still have like the group be together so you don't have one character who's like three levels in a different spot is to ask the player to describe that they've essentially ripped out their entire previous timeline and replaced it with a different one. And the player can decide what that means. The player can decide how much or how little of their timeline changed this is some very like every everywhere all at once what's the what's the name of the movie? every day everywhere all at once something like that everything everywhere all at once if you guys saw that movie it's a really really good movie you know spoilers sorry spoilers for the movie i just talked about but the idea that that you know essentially you have a thread of your life that weaved through all the probabilities of the universe and that dorking with this time frame rips one of them out and sl slaps in another and now you're still in the same place something drew you right to this spot you're still with this group but how you got here could be completely different and you could be completely different if they wanted to even change characters or change their class or change their background or change their mannerisms they could do so completely and the other one is gone and now there's a new one i think that that's kind of an interesting an interesting way to go and and i could work with the players on that and doesn't it doesn't break the fundamental of the game which is a group of people getting together to do it they still have all of their it's it's almost like they get to build a different backstory they could decide are there only slight differences to that backstory or they could be absolute 100 percent different like i think i think that you, you could have hot dog fingers yeah i think you could do anything that you want to do with that so i think that that could be that could be a fun thing to have happen as they're going around this chamber. But otherwise, you know, they go from room to room, they explore what's going on, and then they they face the time guy. But I don't think they're going to get, I don't think we're going to get particularly far in this section because they're, they're going to, you know, I think they'll just get into this. They might get one or two chambers in by the time, because it's only a three-hour game. So I don't think we're going to get too terribly far, which means I don't think we need to prep more than I've already got to really understand what's going on. Probably couldn't hurt, though, to take a look at Kagoth Z. So Kagoth Z is the time guy, and it can't hurt to see, like, what can Kagoth Z... Where he is? There he is. So he is... Is he just a mage? Stat block for an NPC mage, but with an altered spell list. Spells with an asterisk are from the Cobalt Press uh, Deep Magic. Yeah, so he's got some kind of interesting, interesting spells. Wall of Time, Time Vortex, Time Step... Those are pretty interesting. I guess those are from those are from Deep Magic. Let's take a look. Got my Cobalt Press books. Bring up a new Deep Magic is a great big book 
of magic that Cobalt Press put out. It's got like a thousand spells in it. It's you know, if you ever needed more magic spells, boy, this this one's got it. The arguments against it are that these spells were developed over many years. They even they go back to Pathfinder and then were converted to 5e in some cases. And then other ones were built directly for 5e. But a lot of them had been put together in small booklets over the years and then mashed together in this one book. I don't think there was a top to bottom review of every single thing, which means some of the spells are pretty janky. Some of them can do, some of them are, are overpowered. Some of them, many of them are underpowered and many of them do things where you're like, ooh, how do I even run that? So you always want to take a look at what you're pulling from. But it's a very good source for spells for one-off things. Very good for NPCs. NPCs who cast weird magic, awesome. Spells that you drop onto random magic items that have a single use, that works really well. What I wouldn't do is hand it over to your players and be like, hey, you can pick spells from this book because it's you know, you're, you're going to have to deal with the repercussions of that. Page 254. Temporal magic. That's a really cool picture. I wanna, I'm going to save that picture because I think that might be a fun sort of Kagazi's magic spells. And what kind of temporal magic? It's also broken out by these these things. And I don't think we're going to go through. There's a lot of them, so I don't think we're going to go through all of them. What were some of the what were some of the ones we saw? Foretell distraction. Thanks to your foreknowledge, you know exactly when your foe will take his or her eyes off you. Casting this spell has the same effect as making a dexterity stealth check. Provide cover. Concealment is available within ten feet. It doesn't matter whether your enemies can see you in the spell. It is a bonus action to cast this, so that's cool. Move ten feet, so you can kind of move and hide. It is a spell, though, which means he can't do that and another spell. That's kind of a bummer. Time step, second level spell. Briefly step forward in time, disappear from your location, reappear at the start of your next turn. It's kind of like, you know, that's pretty straightforward, uh, pretty straightforward, like misty step, only you're stepping through time. And that's that's the thing. Like You can reflavor a lot of traditional spells and make them sort of timey-wimey sorts of things. Time step, time vortex is a fourth level spell. The spell destabilizes the flow of time, enabling you to create a vortex of temporal fluctuations as a spherical distortion in 10-foot radius and a point. Each creature in the area you can has, must succeed in wisdom saving throw or be affected by the time vortex. Creature is affected as if by slow. Creature is stunned. Creature current initiative is reduced by five. That's pretty lame. Creature's speed is halved. Eh, it's kind of fun. I'd probably throw some damage on there too. You know, this stuff happens plus, plus as you rip through time, you take some damage. Make things a little scarier. That's the other thing. I was like, you know, you can always muck with spells. Wall of Time. Let's take a look at that. That's a fifth level spell. Wall of Time. Wall of Shimmering Transparent blocks the solid surface. You can make a straight wall up to 60 feet long, 20 feet high, one foot thick. Cylinder up to blah, 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 blah. Non-magical range of text across the wall. Vanish into the time stream with no other effect. Range spell attacks and range weapon attacks made with magical weapons that pass through the wall are made with disadvantage. Creature that intentionally enters or passes through the wall is effective if it has just failed its initiative saving throw against a slow spell. That's kind of cool. You can sort of protect himself with that wall. I kind of dig that. And we could, we could, we could, that could protect him pretty well. Yeah, neat stuff. So that is Kagoth Z. Kagoth Z is one of the four kind of uber bosses. It is interesting that they face sort of four bosses, two of which are on level two, and then level three and four, they don't face any of the bosses that are really twisting it. But f level five and six, which I think the bottom two, are really where, where things are, are, are getting out of whack. I don't know if there's other sources of power that are twisting the Weird Weaver. There's really three, maybe four. I'm not sure. 
I'm going to have to look into that more. And, and I'll probably leave myself open when I, when I describe it, that like as they're destroying these things, because that's one of the things, the, the, what is, so this is a question that I have to answer. What fuels the, what fuels the f- magical forge? There's something in there. Is it the forge itself? So this thing, right? It's creation. It's creation is twisting the ley lines. So how do you, how do you stop it? How do you destroy it? Can you destroy it? Right. How do you, how do you put out the forge? Is it like crazy arcana checks? Is there some, some key that they need? What is it that they can do? You kind of want to make it hard. You want to make it hard, but you, you essentially, if you, if you have this thing that is, that is twisting the, the, the paths of the ley lines and drawing them here, this is one of them. What do you have to do to this to get it to snap back in place or to, to, to stop drawing that energy? And I think it's more than like a high power arcana check. You, you want it to be something pretty f- monumental. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that they have already. It can be, you know, we could put a clock on this thing and say that there's, you know, three things or four things that all have to be done. So I think like, like what's inside? Is there a, it's, is, is there a, what is actually, what's the energy that's actually fueling the forge? And how do you put that out? Is it a, is in a, let's see, we know that it's pulling ley line magic. Easy one is elemental, right? But it's not elemental. I mean, it's one of the things she's using it to kind of forge ooze work so it's almost like a a creation like a like a stone of creation that exists inside of there and that needs to be pulled out so it's like you know energy of raw creation let's see if we if we think about this for a minute let's think about like what is the forge and what's this what's the forge even called the alchemist's furnace so it has a it has a source of creation in it it has the physical the physical boundary like it's it's a physical place right it's a physical object so it's like you think of it like a you know we'll think about like my grill i have a gas grill so i have the gas i have the emitters and i have the shell and if it's going right the risk if you pull you you kind of need to shut off so what needs to be done the it needs to be shut off and it needs to have the source removed. You can also think of it as, you know, you could also think of it like a nuclear reactor, right? It's a nuclear reactor that's that's going. The rods are all inside of the things. The critical mass has been achieved and, you know, you need, you need coolant and you need to remove the rods safely and then you're going to need to encapsulate them in something because this sphere of creation is too much on its own. So maybe inside of it, there is like a shell Maybe the shell is a you know a de- uh, like a, a double dodecahedron shell, right? It's this these spinning plates surrounding the creation core. The plates need to be put you know snapped back in place. That will require arcana checks. It could be done physically, but it might be damaging. It could be done with arcana checks. That that stops it, and then you can kind of remove that thing. And then what you have is this you know probably we'll say it's like about the size of a softball. Right. And it's a it's a D20 the size of a softball, very heavy. And inside of it is a source of creation that they've got. But because it's all slammed and, and cut off, then you can you can move it. They could they can they can hold it and they'll have it. And they'll have this power source. What can they do with it? Not a lot. 
So, and I think we'll kind of improvise the checks. This is where you think about like, what is it in the world? This is a good, here's your good lesson. A good lesson to kind of think about and probably end the show on is what is it like to build a situation? So a lot, I think a lot of people would jump to the mechanics. Like what are the skill checks that they have to make in order to do it? And I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to improvise those. I can improvise skill checks. I can, I can improvise ability, ability checks or other things. And I don't know what magic they might want to use. So I would rather focus on what is it in the world? right? What is this thing in the world? And, you know, getting my head around it, we have this sphere of pure creation. It's a, it's a, it's a, like a, you know, probably the size of a baseball, a sphere of pure creation, this creative energy. And it's drawn, who knows where they got it? Who knows how it got here, but they, they got it and they found it in this place. They drew it out of some other world. It's just, you know, pure creative energy in this ball and they use it. She's using it to build oozes and stuff. She wants to use this stuff, right? To build oozes and stuff. And it is sitting inside of this alchemist furnace. And the furnace is this huge stone, very strong thing that can, that can sort of route the energy, but there's all the weird, you know, mechanisms and bonds and everything like that. And inside arcane energy is holding these plates, 20 different triangular plates, rounding this thing that close in and open up to release the creative energy into the rest of the forge. And then you can use it to forge things. And you have to muck with the, you have to muck with the furnace to get those plates. Essentially you want to turn it off to, you, you want to get it so that all the plates slam shut and will fuse around the creative ball into a softball sized 20 sided object because it's all little triangles, right? This has some symbology too, because this is the form of the weird with the weird weaver, right? This makes it look like it's the weird weaver, which is the thing we've been talking about. So you got, you got this kind of fun theme that goes on in the campaign. So they slam it shut now. And then when they get it, they pick it up, but it's probably like 50 pounds, right? It is really heavy. And how do you carry that? Somebody's going to have to carry around this 50 pound object. And maybe the thought is we got to get it back to red tower and stick it in the, stick it in our secret vault that they have back there. So, so they can, that's, that's how they can, how they can, you know, get it out. Now, how will they do that? I don't know. They might have magic that they try. They might have spells that they try. They might have physical things that they try. They might have ability checks that they try, different skills. And I'll improvise that. We'll figure out, we'll figure out what that's, what that's like. I think one thing I'd like to do that I think about it is I really want them to use that. I want to fill out, they have this secret, the secret chamber of the weird weaver. This is something I'd like to do. And I think I want to move this up. I think like when we talk about skrink returning, I want to hear more about what the chamber is like. The, the chamber of the weird weaver beneath the temple of cores. Because I want that to be their new home base. The new home base for the characters. I think that might be cool that they have their own little secret vault. They have their NPC who's there to help them out. And they can stash and store stuff there and protect it. And now they've got their own little vault that they can sort of fill out and, and, and add and they can do things like that. And maybe, I don't know, could they open portals and stuff to it? I mean, I suppose in time, it's possible that they could, they could come up with some kind of magic that would let them sort of teleport back to their little safe spot that's hidden underneath the city of Red Tower. I think that's kind of cool. So I think we, I think we'll, we'll, we'll work on figuring it out. So I got lots of scenes. I think that that was some good, that, that helped me, that little thought process of what this, this furnace helped me. Because what we also know about the furnace is that the furnace is drawing its energy from the ley lines. When that seals off, that should snap it. And maybe that ball of creative energy won't, won't cause it anymore. I think that that's really good. 
But that's the idea of thinking about a situation rather than thinking about mechanics, thinking about, you know, the common one, skill, skill challenges. Oh, I'm going to build a skill challenge around doing this thing. And the problem is that focuses on the mechanics first. And if we say like, oh, I expect they'll do three arcana checks before failures, blah, 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 blah. The problem is like, well, what if they come up with a creative idea? Like, why don't I do that? So instead of worrying about what the actual mechanics are, I have mechanics I already know about. There's already mechanics in the game. I don't know which ones the characters are going to use or the players are going to want to focus on. So I don't worry about that part. I think about what is it in the game? What is in the world? What is this thing like and what has to happen? And then I'll improvise it during during the game itself. And I find that to be a far more effective way. It gives lots of agency to the players. It gives a lot of fun stuff in the situation. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's really cool. Do I think they might do arcana checks? Yeah, it's quite possible. But they might also cast some weird spells. They might try other things. I don't know. They might just monkey around with the levers. So that's good. So I got my strong start. I, I reviewed the characters. Check. I've got my strong start. I've got scenes. I've got secrets and clues. Fantastic locations. I mean, the adventure is the fantastic location. I don't need to worry about that. So we're not going to, we don't don't even need to keep that, delete that whole section. NPCs, we have, we have Skix, right? The surviving dust goblin. We have Daneska. Any other notable, who's their, who's their friend from, from, that. Well, we have uh, Kagoth Z, but we also have Tymon. Tymon is their friend. So it comes to the NPCs. Their benchmark, I don't even remember what level they are. Are they fourth level? I think they're third. So five third level characters is 15 divided by four is roughly four. So the deadly encounter benchmark is around four. If they face CRs, total combined CRs of four or more, it's potentially deadly. It doesn't mean it will be deadly, but I'm 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 dancing into dangerous territory in that circumstance. I don't think that matters too much. Treasure. I think there's enough treasure in the book itself that I don't I don't need to worry about treasure right now. So I don't think I'm gonna I don't think I'm gonna spend too much time with treasure. I think we're I think we're good. I'll worry about that next time. And I got all their names in my notes so I can so I can keep track of that. So I think we are ready for my game. I'm I feel like I am all set. Friends, I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my game. If you enjoyed this show and you want more stuff like this, you can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You get a weekly D&D related article sent directly to your inbox, plus a free adventure generator PDF that subscribing is absolutely free. You can also support me directly on Patreon. I have a link down to my Patreon in the show notes below. Patrons get all kinds of access to all kinds of exclusive adventures, video previews, tips and tricks, the City of Arches source book the monthly Q&A, dedicated Discord channel, all kinds of great stuff for being a patron. Very reasonable price and very a lot of, lot of stuff that you get for becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. And you can pick up any of my books on the Sly Flourish bookstore. All of the links for that are in the show notes below. Thank you all very much. Have a great day and get out there and play some D&D.